Welcome back to More Than Running with Dana. I'm your host, Dana Giordano, and this week's guest is Heather McLean, my best friend, former roommate, and Olympian. I said it in that order for a reason. This episode might feel a little bit more casual than what you're used to, but we had Heather on back on August 3rd, 2020, and a lot has changed since then. I highly, highly recommend going back and listening to that episode to learn more about Heather's story. We also recorded on the Sidious Bag podcast with Heather Kammerber, Chris Chavez, and I right, right after she made the Olympic team. So Heather is no stranger to the Sidious Mag podcast network. On this episode, we talk about Heather's post-Olympic mental health. We really wanted to get into what it's like after you accomplished everything you could have hoped and dreamed for and the challenges that come with that. I think that we often think Olympians are superheroes and they're just regular people like us. So if you set a New Year's resolution, you might have something to gain from this episode. Heather talks a lot about her strategies, mentally she uses to stay sane, and kind of just create a general everyday pattern and routine that holds her life together. So we're rooting for Heather and I hope you guys enjoy this episode between two really good friends and it's a great kickoff to a year of new podcasts on More Than Running. Welcome. All right. Welcome back to More Than Running. We have Heather McLean, my former roommate, which makes me oh so sad, uh, guest on the More Than Running pod way back when, August 3rd, 2020, when things were very, very different and you were not an Olympian. So welcome back. Thanks. Well, happy to be back. Thanks for having me. It's really weird to do this when we're not actually in the same place and I don't like it. I know. I'm like, this is kind of just feels like a FaceTime call. <laughs> well, that's what we want the more than running pod to be is really just, you know, people chatting openly about everything and especially female athletes, because I feel like we don't get the space and room to do that. Very true. I, I agree. I completely agree. So let's just give a little update of where you are right now. And then we'll go back in time to qualifying for the Olympics. And really this episode is me focusing on kind of what happened after the Olympics and kind of um, mental health and what has changed in your life since you became an Olympian. So let's start in the current point in time. Where are you right now and what are you doing? Absolutely. Um, right now I'm in Flagstaff until the end of January when I'll open up at Melrose Games in the Wanamaker Mile, which I did a few years ago. So I'm really excited about that. Um, but yeah, we pretty much come here every January at this point. So uh, me and Ellie are in a house together uh, and from uh, separated from the other girls with uh, and one of our other teammates. And we were talking about it this morning. We we're like, wow, this is our fourth January out here, which is crazy to think about that. I've been coming out here for four years now. So at this point, it really just feels like a second home. But every time we come here, there's like so much more to get used to, of course. Um, and I feel like every year we come out here more and more. So Mm -hmm. uh, like I've just started to really make myself comfortable when I've been out here as far as like getting things that I wouldn't normally get, you know, I would kind of live without for a month or two, but I'm like, you know, I might as well like get as comfortable as I can while I'm here. So, um, yeah, <laughs> that's where I am right now. And training's going well. And I've been wait, wait, we're going to pause real quick. You say some, yeah. some things, but I actually know what that means. So you have to tell people, what are the luxuries that you've Amazon to your Flagstaff? Oh, House. so I have a bit of an Amazon addiction. Anybody who knows me really well knows I get really excited about instant gratification. So getting it's a package easy. at my door kind of like gets me through the trip a little bit. Um, so a few of the things that I've bought while I've been out here um, without getting into like too much intimate detail is um, I've definitely brought like a lot of uh, go like regular clothes to wear outside. Actually, Dana inspired me a few years ago to like dress more dress nicely during the day or not nicely, but just, you know, it, it, you'll feel like you're working out all the time if you don't change out of your workout clothes. So I've been trying to wear like at least leggings or jeans with like a nice sweater during the day. So I actually just bought a ton of Abercrombie clothes that so good. As, right away, as I was about to come on the podcast, I saw that they got delivered. So I'm like, yeah, I'm so excited to try on all my new jeans. And then, um, yeah, I just bought a few like things for my bathroom, like a humidifier, um, nice pillows, you know, it's always good to have like nice pillows while you're here. And we found a way to store them for like the times that we come back. 
Oh, that's what um, I was going to ask. Like, you guys definitely need a Team New Balance Boston. It's almost Team New Balance yeah, Boston Flagstaff. Honestly, yeah, because we've been storing people's garages, and that's probably going to get out of hand soon. Um, what else did I bring? Oh, I got a milk frother. Oh, nice. So I, I, like, really like making little lattes at home, so I've been making lattes in the afternoon, and uh, that's been just, like, a really good treat. So, yeah, just little things like that that just make me feel at home and comfortable and um yeah definitely get me through my time here (laughs) so you guys come out every January which is kind of a cool thing because it's the start it's not really the start of the training year but it's the start of the calendar year which means you set new goals new expectations a year ago in January you were in a very different place in your life so how does it feel that it's only been 12 months and so much has changed for you it's honestly crazy to think about. Um, last January, I'd say like I was in a place in my life where not that I'm not still continuing to do that, but I started to make a large shift like during the second half of the pandemic, I would say. And like January was really the biggest breeding ground for that last year where I really try to focus on like staying present and mental health and standing up for myself um, and just kind of doing things that are best for me, even though like my natural instinct is to like cater to everybody else's needs before my own. Um, And it kind of gets me in trouble sometimes now because I'll say something that's on everyone's mind, even though like I'm the only one who's saying it. So I kind of get the fall from it sometimes, but I've learned that sometimes that's better to initiate change than just kind of holding it in and it creating passive aggressiveness or whatever over time. So like some of the things that I really implemented, I'd say like last January were uh, definitely mindfulness practice, like doing that every single day, or at least during the weekdays while I'm here, because I think we get so caught up in like social media and um, getting things done and like doing training and doing this and doing that. And like, I can spend hours like watching a show or like watching TikToks or something and totally like forget to take a few moments to just think about myself and like focus on my breathing and focus on myself. So that's something that I've really continued, but it, I was in a really hard place last January that I really had to start all of that. Mm. Um, and yeah, so like kind of just setting a better routine schedule for Flagstaff. And so now, like when I came out here this January, I was almost looking forward to it because I'm like, Oh, like all fall, I was kind of all over the place. So I was excited to be able to get back into like my routine, like, Mm-hmm. I'll go to bed a little bit earlier than everybody else every night and like take a few moments to do like my mindfulness practice and, you know, do some like gratitude journaling and read whatever good book I'm reading at the time. And it just, uh, I look forward to it every night. And so I was really excited to get back here and do that. Whereas like last year, I was kind of creating that routine for myself. So I struggled a lot with like making sure I stuck to a routine. I think that resonates with a lot of people because New Year's resolutions are one of the hardest things. Mm-hmm. I think they say the average number of resolutions that get, it's like five days. Everyone breaks yeah. their resolution in five days because they set kind of unrealistic standards of what to do. You know, if I was to say like, I'm going to cut out TikTok for my life, everyone would be like, no, you're not. Like, yeah, that's exactly. not going to happen. <laughs> you're lying. But I think that's kind of a good point of reference of like, it really does take, you know, deliberate practice to be able to set that mindset for yourself. And you had to create it yourself. Like, obviously you had some resources available to you, Mm -hmm. but you really had to do some trial and error to figure out like what makes you comfortable, especially when you're on the road and you're on the road a lot. For sure. Yeah. And like everything works different for every, all people. And I also think a lot of people go into new year's resolutions thinking, oh my gosh, I'm going to start big and like do everything immediate. I'm going to work out for an hour a day. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And it's okay to start small and just say like, for me, for instance, uh, I wanted to get back into like my mindfulness, like meditation stuff. And I was like, oh, well, I was at 20, 25 minutes a day, um, like all of last year. So I'm like, oh, I'll jump back into that. And I found that was really troublesome for me because I had been out of it for so long. So I'm like, you know, what? I'll just do five minutes a day starting. And now like, I'm like, oh, five minutes isn't enough time. So I'm going to go back to like my 10 to 15 minutes. And I think that is what the hard part is. Like people think you need to jump into this big, huge, like idea right away, but you don't need to like go cold Turkey on everything else and jump into it. You can start small and 
um, I feel I feel for me that works particularly well is when I start smaller and build my way up to it. And then mm-hmm. the small like little differences make a difference over time, you know? <laughs> yeah. And it's like you're you are on a team and I feel like your team is very tight knit, especially compared not compared to most, but like you guys haven't had a lot of turnover your team. There's been a ton of turnover um, right now in the running community. So you've been kind of with the same women and, and now Drew um, for two new teammates who just joined. So, and two new teammates, we have, we have Julianne Staheli Mm -hmm. and Sarah McDonald, two foreigners. You're, you're branching out past she for us. (laughs) Now we have a lot of countries being represented, (laughs) but you know, when you're at home, you have, you know, separation of, I like to say church and state. And Mm -hmm. I think that's what we kind of had in our own house. We were on different teams. Mm -hmm. So when we got to go home, it was separate from our team environments versus at training camp, you're living and breathing with your teammates. I think the audience would be a little bit interested to hear how you create alone time in addition to, obviously you have your mindfulness practice, but you know, when you're running with the same people every single day, how do you not get into, you know, those negative comparative patterns? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely difficult. Like we have a we, we are a really, really tight knit team, but we also all have our own like individual personalities, which I think is really great in the team dynamic because everybody kind of has their different thing, but it's also sometimes hard to navigate because everybody understands each other differently. Like it's kind of like a partnership where, you know, you have your own love languages, you have to learn how to communicate with each other. And, um, our communication is always evolving because we're always like adding new people into the team or adding new people into our lives that change the way we react and behave when we're on these like tiny training trips with just each other for months or weeks at a time. Um, So I've definitely found that like I, some people don't do better with as much alone time. So like some of the girls really like spending like all the afternoon, like watching TV together and doing activities together. But for me, particularly, I'm like, I love doing that as well. But sometimes I just need a few moments to myself. Like sometimes I call them like my hot girl walk. So I did a lot of them last year where I would just like go on a walk for for a few, like a half an hour, an hour and listen to like a podcast, like one of Dana's podcasts or listen to an audio book or even just listen to like random music or whatever. That makes me feel calm and at peace and like with nature or whatever. Um And also like, I found that going up to my room a lot earlier, I feel, I used to feel a little bit of FOMO going up to my room earlier when everybody was watching TV or like watching a movie downstairs. But I think I really needed that time to decompress before bed. Cause I just get so excited, like being in the group and everything that I'll go up to bed, you know, a lot later. And then I don't fall asleep till a lot later. So Mm -hmm. I found that when I go up to bed a little bit earlier, like I might have a little bit of FOMO and like, obviously sometimes I bend the rules for myself, but, uh, it definitely helps me like get into a better bedtime routine and like gives me time just for myself, you know, to take care of like the little things that I want to take care of for myself. So, um, yeah, that's like most of what I do to try to combat that negative self-talk and negative comparison. And also just, you know, trying to stay off social media all the time. It's hard because when we're out here, sometimes there's really nothing else to do. And I try to make my, one of my new year's resolutions during the week is to only spend 45 minutes a day on social media, which has been kind of hard because I do spend a lot of time on TikTok. (laughs) But (laughs) um, it is, I did have like a little bit of a troublesome fall. So Um, I'm trying to make that even more of a goal for myself because, you know, when you start to feel insecure about your training or, um, a workout or whatever, it's, it's easy to jump to a conclusion or, uh, jump to an assumption that, oh, I'm not as fit or I'm not good enough or that I'm not going to be back in time when everybody moves at a different pace and you kind of just got to move at your own pace and evolve at your own pace. Yeah, for sure. And, and I'm trying to think about what's the best way to do this. Do we go to straight to the Olympics or we kind of go to the fall? And I think it makes more sense to actually talk about your fall because um, I've covered the Olympics like a zillion times. Like <laughs> yeah, in case you guys missed it, Heather made the Olympic team. We all freaked out. It was amazing. Um, Somebody got but- this amazing video of Dana, like literally freaking the heck out in the stands. It was really cool. <laughs> I know we should definitely re- reshare that one. It's yeah. shot. My dad shot in the 
wrong direction. So it's kind of hard to see. So I feel like I need someone to draw some graphics on it and be like, look at this. Somebody else random got one too, I thought, and like sent it to you or something. Yeah, we got, we got some pics as well. It was, it was very funny. Um, but before we get there, I think this is kind of the starting point of the fall. And this is an interesting podcast, I think, for the listeners, because we are so close. We don't want to skip any details. So I'm trying to provide as much context as possible. But something you and I have personally talked about a lot is, you know, you a year and a half ago, two years ago, your first winter in flag, probably the Olympics were a far away goal. Mm-hmm. And making the Olympic team was a faraway goal. And then it happened and mm-hmm. you became an Olympian and you ran the 1500 at the Olympics in Tokyo, um, but you didn't qualify for the final. And I remember texting you when you were in Tokyo and just, you were so, so sad and mm-hmm. distraught. And I remember, I think we had a conversation then, or maybe it was immediately after just like, look how far you've come. And that's kind of a sentiment that's come up with a lot of Olympians. That's like, you have a goal. You may have met all of your goals, but when you're in that environment and you don't get a medal, you don't know how to feel. Mm-hmm. Do you find that to be true? Oh yeah, absolutely. Especially because when people who don't really like know much about the sport or know much about sport in general or know much about the Olympics, look at you from the outside it's weird because like everyone wants to get on the bandwagon when you qualify for the Olympics, which is amazing because like I, I mentioned this before, but uh, the support that I saw like going into the Olympics was like the most support I've ever seen in my whole life. And I People it was come out of the so, woodwork. What's that? People come out of the woodwork. Of course, that too. But like it was it was really amazing and it was just beautiful to see. And um, from somebody like I wouldn't say I'm. I'm, I love to be social and everything and interact with a lot of people, but I feel like my circles like throughout my life have been until more recently have been really small. So um, it was amazing to see like all these people that I had interacted with once or twice, like a really long time ago. And I was re- reconnected with them and everything. And I thought that was totally beautiful and amazing. Um, but at the same time, like everybody, when they look at their Olymp- the Olympics, they're like, oh, go for gold, go for gold. And it just puts this immense pressure on you um because at the same time you're trying to be realistic for yourself but like also you're at a competition so you want to do the best you can and everybody like wants to have their best day at the olympics mm-hmm. and the matter of a fact like the truth of the matter is not everyone's going to have their best day there and not everyone's obviously going to get a medal because there's only three medals for each event and so like one of the goals like i made for myself after qualifying for the team was of course to make the final And so, of course, when I didn't make the final, like how it resonated to me was that I had fallen short of one of my goals, which never feels good, obviously, to fall short of a goal because I set this goal in my head and I wanted to strive for it and I did the best I could to strive for it. And when it didn't work out, I felt that I had let a lot of people down because when you talk to people, they're like, oh, it's okay, honey. Like, Mm. um, you'll get them next time or whatever, which, you know, could be true, obviously. But at the same time, I had, I was most let down by myself for setting this goal for myself for making the final. And that's when like the self-comparison game, I think starts to begin. Cause you're like, oh, well this person made the final and, Mm. um, but it's one of those things too, where that goal how could you even have that goal until you made the team yeah, so you so didn't have very much time to have that goal exactly. so you really had six like, weeks to develop exactly. a new thing that I feel like everything you've spoken to and like the, your personalities that you need to you know think and meditate and reflect and work towards mm-hmm. a goal that I almost feel like that's too short of a time to like reframe expectations in a way yeah exactly and like I obviously know that now but my immediate feeling afterwards was just kind of a little bit disappointed in myself and now I think back on it I'm like wow I created this goal at the trials like I was kind of a I was an underdog making into the Olympics in the first place and I created this goal for myself after I had already like qualified for the Olympic team and like to think about as we were talking about earlier how far I've come it's hard to think about that right after the here and now like you think about it later down the road And so I'm trying to remind myself more now, like all of the things I've overcame in order to make it to that point. 
And, you know, some people are obviously like, oh, that's like a victim mindset, whatever. And it's not. And it's good to reflect on all the things people have overcame in their lives to make it to where you are, because it puts your life into perspective. And it, for me personally, like it helps me get through the day to day and helps me, uh, you know, just like I said, put my life into perspective and be so grateful for like all the opportunities that I have now and how much I want to achieve in the future. It's so cool to, you know, I think this is my plug for the first version of our podcast. If you guys really want to hear about what Heather's overcome, but it's cool to hear you kind of flip that switch to, you know, being proud of the experience because coming you're it's like, you're really just far too close to it to have any sport sort of normal feelings. And it's probably the weirdest thing uh, like our world does like probably the strangest thing, like gets together, everyone from the world, you're all in a place, you're living in like a college campus. And then how are you supposed to go back to your own apartment after that? It's like culture shock times a million. 20 something year old people like living in a house together. And sometimes I think about it, I'm like, this is really weird. How to, how are, how are we expected to all like never have a, an argument or a disagreement because we're all like mature adults. We all function our own ways. And when we're apart from this little scenario, we all live on our own and like do our own things. So it is kind of funny. It's definitely a weird sport. And like, what other job can you say that you're literally like putting yourself at your max every single day? And that's, what's preparing you for like this one race. That's four minutes. (laughs) And that is also your, like your, it's kind of like when you're preparing for a work project or whatever, and you have this huge presentation and that's what we're doing. That's what we're all building for every single day, but you're like putting yourself at your max threshold every single day. And it is super weird to think about sometimes. I'm like, wow, I'm really pushing my body to the limits, like for this one goal. And like, what other job can you say you do that all the time, you know, where you're like physically and mentally pushing your whole self for this one goal. And then when you step out of context and half the world, more than half the world, everyone's like, what do you do again? Yeah. It's your job. You're like, it like, matters oh, so funny. much to me. And you're like, oh my goodness. Like you can't even, it's hard to explain. <laughs> so after the Olympics, you came back home and there was a couple opportunities to race, but you made some decisions of, um, you know, to take a step back. Did I can't recall. Did you end up running any races after the games or were you just like, you were like thinking about it. And then finally was like, I can't. Mm -hmm. I had thought about it and I got into a few races, but I made the hard decision to choose not to race. And that was more like a benefit for me mentally. I think at that point, I've been a really long season for me as well as everyone. And I, by the time the Olympics was done, like you were, everyone explains it this way, but you're at your highest high and you come down and I came home and yeah, it's hard to explain. Like it was just silent. Like everything was silent. Like you just did this thing that everyone in the world knows about and you qualified, you made it to the largest stage and now you come home and it's like, Oh, ready to keep racing again. And I just, I honestly wasn't ready to keep racing again, mostly mentally, like physically, I'm sure I could have like done a few races, whatever, but I mentally just like, was not there. I did not want to get on the starting line. I hardly wanted to go for a run every day. And I've obviously like running was something that came to me uh, like a, a while ago. And when it running first came to me, like it was so, it brought me so much joy and so much community and I just wasn't not feeling that way when I came home and that has more to do with myself and like how I just felt really burnt out from the experience. And it was my first time being on the world stage and my first time qualifying for like a USA team, which I was so grateful for and so excited about. And um, like, it was an honor of a lifetime for me. I just came home and was really just ready to take a break. And I realized like I had to keep telling myself, you know, you have nothing to prove to anyone else at this point, like do what's best for you. And that was really like what was best for me. And in order to like prepare and like keep my, the next few years going. And uh, I'm happy I did that now because 
I really needed that time for myself. And I had a really amazing time, like connecting with friends and family and whatever during that time, which I might not have gotten to do either if I kept racing. And, and I really got to get excited about training again. Whereas immediately after, and like for the next few months after like going for a run was like the hardest thing in the world for me, just because like it's, it put all this immense pressure on going for a run. Like, Oh, this is a run you're doing for your job. Like this is a run, like it doesn't have exact monetary value on it, but like you feel like it does at the time. Mm -hmm. And now this is like, when you go for a run every day, like this is what's expected of it instead of like, Oh, you're working towards this thing. And so I really needed to find that joy again and like going for a run and training with my teammates. And part of it was good too, because I started going for a lot more solo runs, like when I was building back up and solo running is like something I've always struggled with. Like I hate training on my own. I love training with my teammates. Like I hate doing workouts by myself. And I found a lot of joy in like just going, finding a loop for myself and like going on a loop around the river. And I love running around the river. And I remember like my first few runs back, I'd go around the river and you know, put on a go- good playlist or whatever and notice all the amazing things. Like for instance, one day I saw this woman like running with her two kids on bikes next to her. I'm just like, how wonderful is that? Um, like, it's like you started to see the world in like a exactly. brighter color. <laughs> yeah. And so I realized like sometimes when I'm running with people, you're talking, you're catching up and you miss those things. And um, yeah, I started like slowly getting to build that joy back and getting excited about training again and wanting to get out there. How long would you say it took you in the fall to really, you know, regroup? I know you took some time off from running. You were kind of, you know, managing some things that you hadn't had a chance to because the past six months were so crazy. Like really how long did it take? I think a lot of people have these ebbs and flows in training and kind of look to pros and only see online, like PR, crush this race, whatever. And I think it, it is hard to publicize, like that you're struggling, but it's like, I don't know if there's a good way to do that because then you just come off as being negative. Yeah. Those are two questions. Exactly. And I don't want to come off that way. Like I'd rather, I'd like to think of myself as like a pretty upbeat, positive person. And it's hard sometimes to go against that because people aren't expecting it from you. So they're like, oh, why is she talking like this? Blah, blah. And, uh, but I would say like, it definitely took until maybe like late December for me to really feel like myself. Um, but definitely like November is when I was really itching to just like get back into training. And um, I'd say December is when I started to like really get back into my routine and Uh, feel good about it again I think part of my routine was wrapped up in my training and like being so strict with myself that when I saw my routine I saw it as being something that like I want to wait to do because I know that means like oh I'm getting serious again Mm. and so but the thing is my routine is like a lot of things that really help me on the day-to-day but because the pendulum swung it, too far. Yeah. Because I had started the routine while I was like getting really serious with training. Like I only saw the routine related to like training hard and being strict with myself. So I kind of made it a point this fall to like be really not strict with myself and like, you know, hang out with friends that I haven't, I haven't gotten to see in a few years and like, haven't gotten to hang out with that much because like training is really strict, you know, finally um, get to go to weddings and be a guest. It's like gosh, all the little yeah. things that you miss. Yeah. Like going out to drinks, like something small, but like your friends go out to drinks on a Thursday or a Friday. And, you know, on a Thursday or like, Oh, I have a workout on Friday. And on a Friday, you're like, Oh, I'm too tired for my workout on Friday that sometimes you choose not to go out with drinks with a friend you haven't seen in a while. And like, so I really made it a point for myself to go and do that this fall because I knew I needed to not go in like the complete opposite direction of what I'm like when I'm training but at least like have some balance. And I have a lot of, I would say I have a lot of balance like throughout the year. Like I'm not totally completely strict, but I definitely, you know, this job is really demanding and um, I definitely miss out on a lot of opportunities because of it. And so I wanted to make the fall, like last fall, I can't say that I got to have as much of a balance because we had a flag trip in the middle of last fall. And like, we were, I was having like a really good training block last fall. So I kind of didn't want to sacrifice anything. And so I made it a point this fall to definitely like 
be like, yeah, you know, and I'll have an extra cocktail or I'll get Chinese food tonight and feel ill tomorrow during the run. It's whatever. (laughs) I think it's so funny too, because it's like, Ooh, they had a glass of wine. So wild. And you're like, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. It's just more there. There has to be, it's like runners are regular people, but also just need some ways to like let stress-free and maybe that's, you know, a glass of wine here. There, maybe it's going out for drinks, maybe it's some food, maybe it's visiting friends. But I think it's really funny how we've just like created this standard image of like, of course, like you go to bed early and are a little robot the whole year. Like yeah. that is just unfeasible. And it's like, that's the times that I've been the least happy is when I'm a oh robot. Yeah, same. And like, it's funny, I'll go out with like friends who I never, I'm not never, but like I normally don't go out with like when I'm training and stuff. And they'd be like, oh, can you eat that? Like, cause you're a runner and stuff. I'm like, yeah, I can. Like I'll eat whatever I want. <laughs> and it is kind of funny. Like what people's perception of you is that don't train with you on the day to day. Like, you oh, yeah. know, that I'm like not one to like cut back on sweets or like a glass of wine or whatever. But when somebody's looking from you at you from the outside in, like they can either a be judgmental or b be like, oh, whoa, I didn't even know runners do that. So, um, yeah, it's interesting. Like when you show your true personality, it can be polarizing sometimes. And Mm -hmm. so I've been trying to like be better about just being like, well, like you can't think about what other people expect or think of you. You kind of just got to do what makes you happy and what makes you feel comfortable and confident and excited to be a part of what you're doing. Cause if you're not like excited to be a part of what you're doing, then what's the point. And so I really try to make it a point this fall. And I did have some like setbacks, like with my fall buildup. So I was like, I have no choice but to focus on these things right now because like I've had some like kind of sucky things. So I'm like, you know, what? I'm going to do these things that make me happy right now. And that's that. <laughs> yeah. And it's more just to like figuring out your level of comfort of like, do I want really, I'm still figuring out myself. How am I supposed to communicate to other people what I'm going through when I'm not exactly sure what I am as well? So yeah. It's, I think it's not exactly um, hiding things from people who care about your journey. It's just more of like, you know, you're actively going through it as well. Mm -hmm. So it was like, how can you reflect? It's easier once that time has passed and you kind of, you know, are in a better mental state that you can finally look back and reflect and be like, all right, I've come a long way. Exactly. Yeah. And like, uh, yeah, definitely reflection and being more self-aware. Like I'm definitely a lot more self-aware these days than I was like a few years ago. And so I think that's just getting old. I think that's getting old and like taking care of your mental health and making sure you're doing things that are taking care of those things and realizing your effect on the people around you and making sure that you're doing things that, you know, you can be unapologetic for some things, but also know that like some of the things taking responsibility and knowing some of your actions, maybe in the past, were kind of toxic or you needed to take a step back and realize like, Hey, how about I think about how this is affecting like me and the people around me. And so, uh, like this fall, especially like it's hard to see it right away, but I'm a lot quicker now to realize like, oh, maybe this isn't the best thing for me right now. And I'm self-aware of that and I know why I'm doing it. And that's, yeah, part of getting older, but just, yeah, taking care of myself and making sure I'm doing what's best for me and my mental health. To close this part of the podcast, talking Mm -hmm. about kind of training and mental health, one thing I kind of believe in is speaking into existence and setting Mm -hmm. goals. Are there any big goals that you want to say out loud right now leading into this next season? Oh, big goals. Of course, I have like so many like day to day goals, like so many big goals. I mean, uh, I'm definitely really focused on like getting a PR in all of my events this year. Um, Like I feel like I kind of got the ball rolling last year and I had these like little squeaky PRs. So um, I'd like to get like more PRs in my events this year. And, um, another goal of mine, yeah, would definitely be like continuing to do the best I can for myself every day and, uh, competing really well and being present in races. So, yeah, <laughs> I love those. Have you set a new year's resolution this year? I certainly have. It's been to sleep more as I'm ramping up my training. I'm finally healthy, feeling good, and I really want to make sure that I'm sleeping enough to support that. And that's where Whoop comes in. 
My Whoop 4.0 wakes me up with its haptic alarm. On my wrist is a gentle vibration that wakes me up when I'm in the green and it knows I've slept enough. So as sleep schedules get back to the work schedule and less on leisurely holiday time, I've been relying on the Whoop and it's just so comfortable when I sleep as well. If you want to learn more, head to whoop.com and for 15% off, head to whoop.com backslash more than running or use code Dana. Enjoy. Well, to switch gears before I have this, we have a new final segment, but to switch gears before then, um, I really want to talk about kind of one other thing that happens post Olympics or we all assume happens is everyone's like, oh, you're an Olympian, you're a different person. Mm -hmm. Sponsors are going to come knocking down the door. And I feel like this is a really big misconception, especially for women athletes and um, people in smaller sports that kind of things don't change too, too much on kind of the sponsorship front. Everyone's very excited near the games, but Mm -hmm. then the further away you get from it, it kind of seems like things have died down a little bit. So I would love for you to talk a little bit about kind of those six weeks, like you made the Olympic team to the Olympics and then kind of where those conversations went with potential brands and sponsors after the games. Yeah. I mean, I didn't really start too many conversations related to that before the games because I, I did get reached out to like buy a lot of companies, like random companies, like random supplement companies, whatever. And um, I, of course, like part of this job is it's always great to have like some supplemental income. And especially if it's a company you like really believe in and you want to work with. And um, like part of our job is kind of being a little bit of an influencer. And I've tried to like really keep my personality on my social media. Like I don't like anybody who knows me really well, hopefully I, it's reflected in my social media and like, I'm not going like above and beyond for anything, which I agree. Some people like completely want to do that and are dedicated to that. And I just have trouble with that. So I choose not to do that as much, but with brands and sponsors, like I feel a lot of them contacted me and definitely like leading up to the Olympics and which is almost a weird time because you don't want to getting contact going on yeah like I don't have time to like negotiate or do this or whatever like I'm trying to focus on the Olympics and um same with like podcasts and whatever and uh I was so excited about until your friends pull you into a podcast 30 seconds after you make the team (laughs) yes (laughs) different story (laughs) but yeah I was really excited about that of course like the the weeks leading up it kept me busy and it kept my mind off of like this huge competition, but, um, I didn't really focus on any of like the brand sponsor stuff. And then afterwards, uh, yeah, like I, I pretty much just stayed the same for me. Like I don't have any, I'm new balance is like my main sponsor and I'm so grateful to be a part of their team and, um, to continue to be a part of their team. And I think they're the perfect fit for me. And I of course hope they feel the same, but, um, I love being a part of, uh, the new balance team. And so, but yeah, that's like been really the only one. So like, it didn't really change for me in that regard at all. And I think some people who are just like normal people are like, oh, shouldn't this be handed to you because you're an Olympian now? I'm like, I don't think so. Like for instance, the other day, um, I had this like dinky little watch I got at Walmart last year <laughs> and I love it. I think it's kind of fashionable, but it's kind of kind of gross. And I it's so of, dirty. Yeah. It's disgusting actually, but I stopped the, I had a Garmin for a long time and I stopped using it like maybe last fall or something just cause I needed a break from like all the data and stuff. And I was ready to hop back on the Garmin train mostly cause I've been running by myself sometimes. So I'm like, Oh, I want to get like the new one that has the music or whatever. And I think that'd be like, really I think cool. that was five miles. I'm not sure though. Yeah, exactly. I just make stuff up. So I'm like, Oh, it'd be nice to like get back on the Garmin train. So I was talking about it on a run one day and somebody was like, Oh my gosh, you should just get one. You're an Olympian. And I, Maybe like, you think there's an Olympian store? Where do I get that? Maybe some people have that mindset, but I was just like, I never, I guess I never changed that. And maybe that's a good thing for me. Like I've never changed that mindset to think I'm just like going to be handed something. I was like, all of course, ready to go, like get one and everything. And um, yeah, I think people just assume that you're going to like get given all this stuff, but I don't know why (laughs) like it 
I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, I'm still like, I still feel like I'm pretty niche and have my like, uh, my own little things and everything. But yeah, I don't, I don't like have any other sponsors or anything like that. So I'm like, yeah, it's just a weird thing. We're just, we're just waiting for Duncan to come around. I don't know what they're waiting for. They did send you a yeah, care I'm package, <laughs> but I know. How do you feel about, uh, you know, Molly Seidel's coming on your Duncan train? I feel like you guys should do a little package deal or something. I know, right? If she, I mean, she's a lot bigger than I am, but <laughs> if I could uh, get on her train a little bit. I think it should be a full campaign and it's like... <laughs> female athletes run on Duncan featuring you and Molly and the other yeah, Duncan cool staff. Maybe you should pitch it to them because you seem like you're better at that stuff. <laughs> you're so Sometimes creative. That. You know how to like word it in certain ways. I'm not creative like that. And so I don't know how to, and I'm not going to like go over to the, I mean, I don't know who to contact anyway, but I'm just going to be myself and posting my Duncan because I truly believe in the brand. <laughs> and okay. I, we're going to end up in a spot and we're going to be in a room with a Duncan exec and that's where it's going to happen. But it'll be exceptionally random because it can't be planned. No, it can't be. And I think that's like the best things in life are not planned, you know, but uh, yeah, of course I'd like to have some other brands like, um, but I just haven't gotten. That you believe in. Yet. Yeah, that I believe in, but um, I just haven't gotten quite there yet. So yeah, we'll see. <laughs> Stay tuned. Well, next time we do this, things will change. Yeah, that's what happens on this podcast is people speak yeah, into existence and it happens like a manifestation po- podcast I would say I'm here for that all right well this is a new thing for me so as you know Sidious Mag has gone full-time with Chris Chavez and we're kind of stealing from something from his podcast where I'll be asking the same set of questions at the end to every single guest so we're gonna see everyone's new responses so it's 2022 you're the first one to kick it off um, obviously these are questions that you can talk about more extensively, yeah. but this is like a brief, quick answers, um, to wrap up the end of the pod. Sweet. All right. The first question is advice to your younger self. Ooh, advice to my younger self is a really good question. I would say ask for help. I know I mentioned that on my first podcast with you, but I am the eldest daughter and I don't ask for help and asking for help would have helped me a lot. <laughs> and don't be afraid to ask for help. People, somebody's going to be willing to help. So yeah, ask for help. That's a really good one. Good one. All right. Next one is, you know what? A lot of these questions that I, that we wrote before this, you've already kind of covered. So yeah. you can I'll reiterate, you can reiterate. Yeah. <laughs> What's the best thing you do to take care of yourself to stay healthy? Uh, I mentioned mindfulness already. Um, yeah, I would say like mindfulness, taking time for myself and making cute little lattes. I make Mm. cinnamon bun lattes right now and I make them after my run and I love them. (laughs) Too bad you couldn't ship out the huge espresso machine to flag. I know very big shame, but (laughs) I've switched over to like some drip coffee lately, actually, because I needed to switch it up. Mm. Um, and so that's what I've been making here. I'm so happy I bought that milk frother. Cause like I'll have my little oat milk latte and yeah, it's great. <laughs> so if you want to stay healthy, drink lattes. Yes. Drink lattes. Be happy. <laughs> Love you a latte. All right. Best advice you've ever received from a coach. From a coach. Um, I think, oh, wow. That is tough. I've, I've received a lot of good advice. Mm, I would say like a believe in yourself and uh, my college coach actually got me this bracelet a few years ago that said nevertheless she persisted and I think it was part of some campaign that was going on a few years ago but I wore it for a really long time and I still have it and everything and I like to bring with me to races and stuff because it's like a good reminder that to like I said earlier keep everything in perspective and know that what's going on right now you're you can overcome and to believe in yourself and to know that like this is all part of like creating your greater self (laughs) Mm -hmm. that's a really good one I love that bracelet of yours (laughs) yeah (laughs) all right um one piece of running it doesn't have to be tech because I know you have a not so techie watch but one piece of running and a running item you can't live without Oh, a running item I cannot live without. Let's see. I would say 
I mean, I could definitely live without my watch, I would say. Um, or if there's like a piece of clothing that you go to every single time too, I feel like there's always like the emotional support, like long sleeve. And you're like, this is my, my thing. Like if I want to have like a good workout day, like this is it. Well, this is like a, a daily thing I can't live without, but like, obviously with running, it's a big part and it would be my clotter ring, which my dad, for those of you who don't know, passed away my senior year of college. And he gave me my clotter ring for one of my birthdays and it has my birthstone in it. And I would say that's like, it's not exactly running related, but it's life related. And I kiss it before every race and in every workout. And I think that is something I couldn't live without. <laughs> oh, that's even better. I'm keeping as that. <laughs> All right. What are you reading right now? Oh, I am just about to finish um, The Eleven Husbands of Olivia or Evelyn Hugo. I think it's seven. Or seven husbands. Sorry. (laughs) I just started it. I just started it last night. Oh my God. It's literally so good. Um, It keeps having twists and turns too. So I never know what to expect. So I love those kinds of books. Um, And then on the plane over here, I finished um, actually, oh, The Body Keeps Score. Which oh, was I need educational. To read that. Really, anybody who's really interested in psychology and, mm-hmm. and um, like PTSD and how your body reacts to stress and uh, daily occurrences that you don't think are manifesting in your body, very interesting. Like I learned a lot about how like your gut health is related to um, stress and like different things that go on in your life. So uh, it was really interesting book. It's a a thick read, but very good. And I would totally recommend, but I would also recommend the seven husbands of Evelyn Hugo. It's, it was a huge, like 2021 bestseller. And, um, it's I saw fun. Abrahamson post on her story a few days ago and I started reading it on the plane too. I was like, Oh my gosh, like I'm, she just had just finished it. I was like, don't tell me anything. Um, and she was saying like, Oh, I was kind of skeptical about this book. And I'm like, I was a little bit too, but now I know why everybody loves it so much. Cause it's so good. So Uh, Yeah, that was really good. And I'm about to read another uh, Colleen Hoover. I think that's how her Mm -hmm. last name is book. I read her book, Ugly Love, um, before I read The Body Keeps Score and it was really good. And so I just got another one of her books on my Kindle. It ends with us, which I'm excited about. Wow. I heard it's a good one too. So you need to start a book club because this isn't a short answer. This is like the library shelf stack. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So one of my other favorite parts about coming out here is I get on my book grind and like all the books I've wanted to read all year. Like part of my bedtime routine is reading before bed. So when I come out here, like I'm reading during the day a lot because I don't watch TV that much. I only really watch TikTok and like whatever. So maybe that's not as educational, but um, I'd like to read a lot during the day. And sometimes when we're on the way to a workout or whatever. So uh, yeah, I get to read like all my good books while I'm out here. And I think for the past like year and a half, two years, I haven't been looking for a book to read. I let somebody recommend one to me and then I just Ooh. put it in my list right away and don't read like any of the like blurbs on it or anything. Just I just go for go straight it. to reading it. And if I don't like it, like a few pages through, I don't suffer through it. Like some people are like, oh, I can read a book even if I'm not interested, but I don't do that. I just go on to the next book. <laughs> but most of the books I've gotten recommended, I think part of it is like special because it was recommended by a friend or whatever. So I usually go straight through them and I'm like, oh, this is so good, but. Yeah, book club would be cool to be a part of. <laughs> gets you gets you going, gets you yeah. going. All right, second to last question. What's a social cause you're fired up about right now? Ooh, social cause I'm fired up about right now. In the fall, um, well, this is still something that's like a, I really want to get involved in at some point is uh, like supporting like, uh, woman, uh, or sorry that I need to reword that supporting. There's an organization in Salem called Hawk, which is help women abuse women and children. And, um, they've branched out over time, but they've been around since I was a kid and I've known them for a really long time. And, um, definitely like supporting children, of neglected, neglected, uh, neglected families and families where there's a lot of abuse and, um, a lot of like, household adversity that not everybody can see and so I think so I would say that's like a really big passion of mine and I try to like donate like shoes or you know money or whatever where I can obviously like I don't have a ton to donate right now but 
at some point in my life, like I would love to get more involved. I really wanted to get involved this fall and volunteer for that specific organization, but Mm -hmm. I, it didn't end up working out. My mom actually volunteers for them. So uh, she started, got the idea for me and started volunteering for them. So I was a little bit jealous, but I was uh, battling some things throughout the fall. So I wasn't able to do that this fall. And so hopefully like next fall, it's something that I can make more of a priority when I'm home and help where I can or whatever. But uh, yeah, I think that's like a big social cause I'm really passionate about. And yeah, just making sure like every child is heard and taken care of and everyone's story is listened to. And yeah. (laughs) I'm so excited. That was really cool to hear. All right. My last question, maybe the most important question is what does more than running mean to you? More than running, ooh, that's a really good question. Um, it means I get to talk to Dana. <laughs> well, not my podcast, but like the phrase. Yeah, of course, yeah, <laughs> I know. Um, well, running was something that came into my life at a time where I didn't really feel that I had structure and community support. And so running has always meant like community to me. It's always meant um, health and wellness to me because running, I feel like really cured a lot of things around me. As soon as I started running, a lot of things that were happening around me got a lot better and my mental health got a lot better. Like I had a lot of anxiety when I was younger and I feel like running really, really helps with that. And so, yeah, it's just meant like wellness and community. Um, and passion as when I'm running and like I just I get all my best ideas you know when I'm running I guess I wish I could like bring a notebook and write down when I'm running because if you're running by yourself sometimes you're just thinking and uh I just think of like all my best ideas and all the things I'm so grateful for and like all the things I'm so passionate about and you know sometimes when I have to run by myself which I dread doing sometimes I will start my run with just like going through everything and every person that I'm grateful for. And then like next thing you know, I'm like 35 minutes into my run. I didn't even notice and oh, I, I add that. on way too much. So yeah, I think, yeah, it means a lot to me. And uh, sometimes you don't know how much it means to you until it's taken away a little bit. So mm-hmm. like running was never the only thing in my life. And now it not that it's the only thing in my life now, but it's kind of like what I'm known for mm-hmm. um, more recently. But this fall, like uh, I wasn't able to run for a few weeks. And I remember starting back training and being like, oh, I'm just so happy to be here. Like I would even go to practice, like even though I couldn't run just mm-hmm. to be around the community. And it really like made me so grateful to just have something in my life that I really look forward to every day, even on the days that I'm not feeling the best. So yeah. That's a great answer. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like it's those times of injury. It's those times of, you know, hardship that you really find out how much it means to you. Exactly. And that's with anything. Like if you're not able to see, I know when I'm not able to see my family for a while when I'm out here, um, I'm really excited to be out here and I know that I'm training really well, but I get so like grateful to see my family when I'm home. So, well, perspective. (laughs) Thanks so much for coming on and best of luck this upcoming season. You're going to kill it and someone that we could definitely cheer for. Oh, thank you. Thanks so much for listening to more than running with Dana. This podcast is hosted on the Sidious Mag podcast network and is produced by Mike Zerzolo. If you enjoyed the podcast, please give us a like and review or share with a friend. We're really trying to get the podcast into the ears of more people this year, and it all starts with the reviews. I read them all. I take all the feedback to heart. Also, follow us over on Instagram at More Than Running Pod. We'll be sharing more and more there this year as well. So stay tuned, and thank you so much for listening.